is Fast Break with Jay Hood and Chris Black. Follow us on Twitter at TweetJHood and at Chris Black. The Fast Break continues right now on ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and the ESPN Chicago app. This is Fast Break from 1 to 3, Saturdays in the spring. I'm Chris Black with Jonathan Hood. We're talking Bulls basketball in the NBA. If you want to join us, you can call us at 312-332-3776. The Bulls host the Miami Heat tonight. Big game for the Chicago Bulls. As I, I think their playoff push really starts tonight. You have the Heat tonight. Tuesday, you have the Bucks, And then a back-to-back Tuesday, Wednesday, Bucks and Celtics. Three very tough teams for the Bulls. And to this point in the season, we've seen the Bulls not play their best against the top three seeds in both the Eastern and the Western conferences. So here's an opportunity. You're 0-16 in these situations. You got three games on the schedule in front of you. Let's see the Bulls show something tonight at home against the Miami Heat. And they're all very different uh, opponents, too. Not just because of the name, but also the style. The Miami Heat defensive-minded and also uh, very good from the three-point stripe. And they shoot it a ton. Milwaukee, the championship goes through Milwaukee. They could repeat again as champions. You know how strong they are. Giannis is on a different level right now. Boston has gotten so much better in the second half. It all starts with defense. Is what we talk about with the Bulls all the time, right? Boston and Adoka and that defense has gotten so much better. There was talk early. You remember this. There was talk early of, hmm, maybe it would be better off if Tatum and Brown don't play together. Yeah, I think he's doing just fine, thank you. And then there's Charlotte. Charlotte's a team that, that's uh, Again, offensive-minded, fun, up and down the floor. And we just talked about Minnesota in our last uh, hour, talking about how fun that team is and how that's a different team than they were even 12 months ago. So it's just a lot of it, the hallmark of all of it is, is that all these teams can score. In abundance. Can the Bulls do something about that defensively? And, and what we've seen, you know, the, the Bulls are coming off a couple of nice games, right? They, they beat Washington yeah. on the road. They beat the Clippers in overtime, 135 to 130. DeMar DeRozan was incredible. 50 points. Uh, it's the 18th time this season in the NBA that someone's gone off for 50 points. Uh, the thing that I went and looked up was that, like, we know DeMar doesn't shoot from three. And in the contest against the Clippers, DeMar DeRozan went two of two from three and still got to 50 points. Uh, at the free throw line, he was 14 and 15. This season, only two other times have uh, someone shot two or less three-pointers and made it to 50. It was Giannis. He went two for uh, two in a, a game, and he got to 50 earlier in the season. And then Joel Embiid went one of four from three and got to 50. Yeah. You know, outside of that, you're seeing numbers of those who get to 50 points. You're seeing uh, Stephen Curry or Kyrie Irving shooting 17 threes and hitting nine or yeah. t- you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that's why I'm part of the explosion in, in scoring in the league and in the explosion, in the 50 point games is the three point shooting. And, and it, it elevates uh, the scoring ability of some of these uh, stars around the league. But DeMar DeRozan does it in an old fashioned way. And it's fun to watch. It really is. I enjoy watching DeMar and his style of game and, and finding that mid range jump shot and knowing that anytime he can get that shot off, it's going in. Well, I think for anyone's game, it's about accentuating the positive and hide the negative, right? Here's what I don't do well I don't shoot threes. And if I shoot them, it's going to be a high percentage shot. It might be in a clutch situation. Or if I'm just wide open, I'll take it. I just like that he goes about his business knowing that, hey, I am someone that's comfortable in the mid range. It, the, the object of the game is to get buckets. 
And so DeRozan's able to do that. But I just want to make sure it's clear that DeRozan is not some go-to guy that you can always depend on here in the playoffs and say every time you got to get it down low to DeRozan because he's going to score 30, 35 a night. That's not who he is. He's a, he's a nice complement to what the Bulls do. And actually, he's played over his skis. He has played over his head this year. That's not a bad connotation, by the way. That's not a negative. I'm saying that he has been able to feel comfortable in the flow of the offense under Billy Donovan. Now, when it comes to the playoffs, can he be able to provide that? And if he does not, is Zach healthy enough to pick up that slack? Can the three-point shooters of Io and uh, Kobe White Caruso, I throw him in there as well. Can they be able to help out offensively? So I, look, I'm happy about what DeRozan brings, but I'm not looking for him to go nuts every night in the playoffs because that's not who he's ever been, and I'm not sure if that's who he's going to be here. I just know that he's going to give you a fine effort, and I'll take that. If you want to talk Bulls basketball, you can call us at 312-332-3776. Five minutes ago here on the show, we were talking about uh, the Timberwolves beating the Nuggets last night, 136-130. to uh, Nikola Jokic in that game had 38 points, 19 rebounds. He played 43 minutes. Uh, he went 10 of 12 from the foul line. He, he was incredible. He had uh, eight assists to go with the 38 and 19. Uh, I had a question for you, and I don't know if I have an answer, Jonathan, but I, I want your opinion on this. As I was watching this game uh, this morning, I'm watching Jokic play, yeah. and, and I couldn't stop to think about the different eras of basketball that we've kind of wandered into now where everyone's a big who can now shoot threes. We saw it with Cat in that game as well, scoring and, and shooting three-point shots, and they, they handle the ball out on the perimeter, and no one goes down on the block and really bangs anymore like we're, like we're used to. We're yeah. accustomed to with bigs in the league. If Nikola Jokic was a center in the 90s, because I feel like even though the best centers of all time didn't necessarily come from the 90s, mm-hmm. there, there's a core five selection group from, from the 90s. If I said uh, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, mm-hmm. Shaquille O'Neal, Akeem Olajuwon, and Alonzo Mourning, yep. that's a core group of five names that were you know, all Hall of Famers. But they all battled against each other mm-hmm. uh, many times in the playoffs, in the finals as well. Uh, how would Nikola Jokic fit in in an era where he had to go against Zoe, Robinson, Ewing, Shaq, and Akeem? Like, I don't know. I don't have the answer. I, I, I just well, want to ask the question. Well, he's big enough to take the pounding if he's going inside. But as if we look at the Jokic skill set, he is kind of a microcosm of how the NBA changed in the 90s in which there was more European influence. That's actually, that was good for the game because the game was so physical and now you have bigs that could step out, did not want the, the contact and was able to knock down jumpers, right? This is why Tony Kukoc was the apple of the eye for uh, Jerry Krause is because here's a guy here who's 6'10", and he can put the ball on the floor and go to the basket, and he can shoot from the outside. I think that he'd be right there in the middle. Like He's never going to be as good as the five we mentioned, Olajuwon and Robinson and Ewing, Shaq, and Zoe. But here's a guy here, like Sabonis. If he came over sooner, right? right? right. If he came over sooner than what he did with Portland. With the bad feet? Yeah. <laughs> like he he, had, he had, had bloody stumps. He had no feet. That's the problem. He's with Portland with no feet. Right. And that was the problem with, with, with Sabonis. So if he's that, right, he's along those lines. He's, uh, is he as good as Matumbo? Matumbo did not have a shot, but he was just a dunker and a shot blocker, right? You think about Vlade Divac, another guy that was physical down low on the inside. Is he Ronnie? He's better than Ronnie Cycli. He's better than Marcus Camby. He's better than Zarunas Ilgowskis. He's better than Hot Rod Williams. 
you know, so so players like that, right? Rick Smits, he's better than the Duncan Dutchman. So he's after those five. Sure. Because now he comes over and it's like, well, this guy not only can he get inside and you know, smoothly go to the basket, but he can shoot the ball from the outside. Now you're pu- you're drawing Hakeem out. Sure. Now you're drawing like the the admiral out, Ewing, like, okay, we haven't seen this before. So I think he'd be after those five we mentioned. Because of, because of his skill set. You know, you look at the size, I, I would suggest that the only two who could maybe hybrid play the way that the bigs are playing now would be Alonzo, because he's a little bit shorter, right? He was 6'10". About that, And, yep. and he, he had a good jump shot from, from the baseline. Mm-hmm. And then Akeem. Akeem had, a, had point guard skills as a center. Yes. So, like, if Akeem Olajuwon played in today's NBA... He, I think, would no doubt be in the conversation with Embiid and Giannis and, and Jokic as the best players in the league. I don't think the eras would really affect the way Akeem plays just because he, he has the ability to dribble. Uh, he's one of the all-time steals leaders in NBA history. He can pass the basketball. Um, I don't know if Ewing would really be the same if he was in today's game. I feel as if no. Ewing would be a bit too slow. Yeah. And even though Robinson had the body type, I don't know if he had the finesse shooting from the perimeter that he would be able to. And like Shaq's a whole different conversation, but I, I don't know if Ewing would fit today. No, Ewing was too big and muscle-bound to step out and be like, all right, Ewing, I need you to give me a, a three. Like, he wouldn't know what to do there. Like, Jokic would eat him alive oh, because sure. he would take him out to the perimeter, and oh, then yeah. Jokic, with one or two dribbles, would be able to get past him. Yeah, he did not, not have the side-to-side quickness right. to be able to defend that way. But, it like, in the low block, oh, absolutely. Ewing's sure. right there for you. Uh, but I'd like to know, like, what, it, what an admiral of 2022 look like coming out of the draft, right? Admiral comes out, and he's a big guy, and it's kind of, you know, with the flat top, and he's there, and he's like, <laughs> he's, he's there with the flat top, basketball's young MC, and there he is, right? And he's, the, and he's there, and then he's, I think the 22 Robinson's knocking down threes. I think he's got the body type to be able to knock down threes. Good. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah, Because sure. he wasn't the bruising big guy. Like I mentioned, like the Elgowskis. He was and, toned. Yeah. So, you know, he could move. So the 2022 Admiral would be good for today because he would have developed a jump shot, a three-point shot. And Shaq would be he, – he's so gifted as far as physically, but he also had so much um, great ability on the block. Like I don't think Shaq's game would need to change. Right. Like if Shaq was playing today – we would be like, well, he's the one player that plays old school basketball. Yeah. And he wouldn't need to change. Like, I don't think Shaq would be like Embiid. No. You know, do you think Shaq would take it on at the top of the arc and, like, try and draw his defender out and then try and get by him with the triple to get all the way to the rim? I think Shaq would still be on the block waiting to dominate. I still find it odd when I see Embiid do that. Seriously, because oh, yeah. we see him hurt so often. And then, but because I see Embiid with the basketball, I'm like, does he need WD-40 for his joints? I mean, I how does he do that, right? Big hulking guy. It's incredible. Puts a ball on the floor just like, man, how does he have the quicks to get it done? But the three-point shot and his ability to go to the basket, I think that's just tremendous. But all these other guys that we mentioned, all those guys are uh, in-the-paint centers. Yeah. That's what they are. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We go to McRobert at Seven Bridges. McRobert, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, guys. Hey, how Pretty, are you? What's up, man? I'm pretty good. I hope you guys are doing well as well. And uh, Hoodie, I miss you on the evenings, even though these two guys from Liberty- Libertyville do a pretty good job. Okay. <laughs> and the one thing I miss the most 
I think Black can attest to this because I'm all about the sound bites. I missed that petticoat junction, that little beat, the petticoat <laughs> junction. I remember that. Yeah, I'm, that. With, I'm with you. That was good. I need that. <laughs> but the reason I'm calling, I just wanted to propose this to you guys. Yes, sir. I was saying uh, everybody's talking about the Bulls. You know, I'm a football guy, but let's say let's say we put Ray Allen on the Bulls, just drop off whoever the worst guy is. Or just to make it more realistic, let's say we got Steph Curry instead of whoever the worst guy in the Bulls is. So we got Lonzo and Caruso and Curry and DeRozan and Levine and whoever's going to be the big man for us. That's basically your six-man rotation. Can the Bulls take down the Bucks? That's all I got. All right, buddy. Thanks for the call, McRobert. Mm, no. Yeah, probably not. Because is Steph going to guard the best guards on the other side? Because it, it's not about scoring for me, Chris. It's not. It's about defense. Yeah. I know that that's not necessarily a sexy topic because everyone watches the flight of the ball. Where's the ball going and who's scoring, right? But for me, like you can put Steph Curry on this team. Are the, is, is the team much better? No question. The guy can shoot it from the moon. But as I've said before about Steph Curry, he's the greatest shooter I've ever seen. The greatest shooter I've ever seen. But in the clutch moments, is he that guy? When he's healthy, he is. I, I'd Clutch say, moments, you know, I said. Fourth, fourth quarter, game on the line. Yeah, yeah, I mean, as Russo's been saying now on first take, game for your life. Game, uh, game, game on, for your life. Game for your life. You oh, give yeah. it to Steph Curry yeah, game, spot. Yeah, game for your life. Yeah. <laughs> game for your life. You got, you're giving a ball that spot? That's what you I mean. That's game for your life. I'm like, really? Game, game for, your, for life. your life. <laughs> Stephen A., game for your life. You're Steph Curry. Game for your life. I feel like didn't he, didn't he just have a take on Giolito for that, that he didn't want Giolito to be pitching for a game for your life? Like that's his go-to. He said, I don't know. You know, he, he just had a rant on. Um, it wasn't a rant. It was like on his uh, fast pitch show or whatever it's called, high heat or whatever. Yes, fast pitch. Uh, yes. It, it was like uh, it was something about like rank the starting pitchers, and Giolito was like eighth. Yeah. It's like game for your life, but Giolito, no. Giolito, game for your life. Giolito, no. Not Giolito. Giolito, game for your life. Game for your life. So for game for my life, I'm not going like Steph Curry. Like game on the line, no. No. For a clutch shot? No. No gelato for your game for the life. Yes. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. This is ESPN Chicago's Fast Break. Everything bowls and NBA in a convenient two-hour package. Or if you miss your shot for live, the Fast Break podcast is available on the ESPN Chicago app. Now back to Fast Break. Here's Jay Hood and Chris Black on ESPN 1000. We're going to play closing, Tom? No, we're not. All right. But, I, but you know, uh, people that listen to country and rock, they also like the NBA. How about that? <laughs> Take that, Taylor. To be honest, I don't understand. Like, did we play country or rock? I don't or is know. he referring to the bump songs that come out? The that, bump songs that we don't control. Yeah, that's all right. They're, they're, it's a random jukebox. Yeah, it's there. It's there. Yeah. It's nothing. Uh, we move along. Now, listen. If if I'm in control, I know it's the NBA. For me, I'm playing house music and and hip hop, and Chris would be totally fine with that. But it's yeah. a jukebox, Taylor. So that's the whole thing about the music. It's whatever it is. Oh, I got no problem with it. Oh, we play round ball rock for every segment. <laughs> yeah, so, just right. come out with round ball rock every single time. We know Market Tab will do that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tyler knows that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of. 
Hello, it's Chris Black and uh, Jonathan Hood. It's uh, fast yes. break. We uh, talk Bulls and NBA, but uh, tonight yes. is the Final Four in New Orleans, and Tyler Aki is producing the show. He also hosts Basketball U, 10 to noon, Sundays throughout the tournament, right here on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. Tyler Aki's on Twitter. Follow him at Tyler Aki underscore. He's here with us to preview the Final Four. Hello, Tyler. Hello, gentlemen. Are you guys uh, excited for tonight? The of course. The funeral yes. tonight? Of course. I'm Duke. There's a funeral tonight. Yeah. Tonight's <laughs> my New night. Orleans. I'm Duke. When I need a laugh, that's what I go to. The I'm Duke out of nowhere. You got to look that up, kids. That's really outstanding. I'm Duke. I wear leather. What? So I want to ask you, Tyler, when we take a look at everything, before we talk about tonight's games, just the tournament overall, is it everything that you expected? I said to, to Cap, I said, be careful now. I do watch a ton of college basketball. I knew that there would be some upsets, but what did you think of the ebb and flow of the tournament? I thought it was, it had a little bit of everything. You had the, the great Cinderella story, but it probably went on a little too long because Took the intrigue out of the Elite Eight a little bit, too, with St. Peter's going all the way to the Elite Eight. But I'm glad we got to the destination where we're at right now in the Final Four with four Blue Blood programs, four great coaches, and I think it's good for the sport. I mean, people talk all the time, oh, is the, the G League going to overtake college basketball? Is Overtime Elite going to take over college basketball? And I think this is perfect. This is the the best players, the best programs, the best coaches in the spotlight for the Final Four, and the the numbers in terms of ratings and stuff have been great as well. So I, I think this is a, a really good thing for college basketball. Isn't it a bit surprising that you know the one and done has killed the regular season in college basketball? But the the ratings, like you mentioned, Tyler, they've been incredible throughout the tournament. Right, and like, last year too. Last year, and it, it's weird. It's like. People don't um, pay attention to the way college basketball is played early in the season the way they used to. You know, Big Monday was a big deal back in the day. And the the way the Big East and the rivalries that they used to have were such an important part to the conversation in college basketball. And and now it seems like we just kind of wait around until we get to March to get to the conference tournaments to then get to the tournament. And everyone tunes in for that. But, like, the sport has really become, like, a two-month sport. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do you feel like there, there's something or anything that could get us back to where, in November, people are watching college basketball the way, the way they used to back in the early 90s, the late 80s, back in those decades? I think you'd probably have to add conference games to the schedule. And you've seen some conferences start to do that. They've gone from an 18-game conference slate to a 20-game conference slate. I think that helps when you get some of those pop-up games. But you just need more of these events. And, and like, the Maui Invitational is great, but who's going to go to Maui to watch a college basketball game, right? If you're going to Maui, you're going on vacation. You're going to go to the beach. You're going to do all the other activities that there are in Maui. Uh, Same thing with the Battle for Atlantis. If you're going down to the Bahamas, you're not going to watch college basketball. I think that's part of the problem is... They have to do more of these events at Madison Square Garden, more of these events at the United Center, and just branch out to all these different within the confines of the United States because I think that's going to help eyeballs throughout the course of the season. So, Tyler, I want to talk about matchups here first with the Wildcats against the Jayhawks in the first game at 5 o'clock on Saturday. I want to know how you look at the matchup. You know, Villanova does a great job of being able to post up its guards. What do you think of Kansas guards against Villanova's defense? I look at Kansas as I I think this matchup for this game, it starts actually on the offensive side for Villanova because what Colin Gillespie does, he's a post-up guard. 
And that is so tough to take the brute force that Colin Gillespie is going to give these guards throughout the course of a basketball game. He's going to start his post-ups from the three-point line and back these guards down. And that's a lot to take on for these Kansas guards because then it affects your legs on the other end offensively. If you're going to maybe see a lot of these Kansas shots come up short from some of the guards. And I think there's a big mismatch because the Kansas guards aren't big. Not that Gillespie is huge, but he's a physical guard. He's going to back you down. Meanwhile, who is going to guard Gillespie? Are they going to throw three or four guys just to preserve some of the legs? Are they going to throw a bigger guy on him so he can't post people up? I think it's going to be that's the chess match for Bill Self versus Jay Wright is who is going to guard Colin Gillespie because it's going to take a lot out of that player and I wouldn't expect to see it be done for all 40 minutes because guess what Colin Gillespie is going to play 40 minutes in this game he's going to he has to there's six guys on this roster right now that can play is Jay Wright the best coach standing still I would say yeah I mean he's shown this season and the, the fabulous thing about Jay Wright he does it with seven guys every single year and they lost a guy in Justin Moore, the second-best player, second-leading scorer on this team. But if there's any team in this tournament equipped to overcome an injury, it's Villanova, just because of the way the culture is run. It's next man up. And, like, yeah, does it suck that they lost Justin Moore? Yeah, but they've moved on from that. They, they've moved on from that mentally at this point. And I think that's going to be... The, I think it's like a four-and-a-half-point spread right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if Villanova keeps this thing close. I think a lot of people are counting them out a little too soon. Tyler, what's the difference between uh, Remy Martin as an Arizona State player and now as a Kansas guard? What's the difference between the two? I think he's got a chip on his shoulder at Kansas because at, when he was at Arizona State, he was pumped up as Mr. Everything, a starter, Pac-12 player of the year caliber type of player. He entered this season as the Big 12 preseason player of the year without having played a single second of basketball in the Big 12. It, like You don't see that, but it's because of the transfer portal. He had the pedigree to go along with it, and now he's coming off the bench. He really struggled in the beginning of the season. But once he got into the tournament, and the Big 12 tournament is probably where it really started, he's flipped a switch and might be the best. He's probably the second best point guard standing behind Colin Gillespie of Villanova. And the way that he gets to the basket, sets up his teammates, is just something we haven't seen from him throughout the course of his Kansas career. He started as the starter for this season and got benched, and I think he's got that chip on his shoulder now because there were games where Bill Self would give him DNPs. And that's the Big 12 preseason player of the year. You don't see that sort of stuff happen. You guys know me. I I love the NBA draft, Mm -hmm. and I I love watching the tournament to kind of gauge where guys are going to go in the NBA draft and and start to form an opinion on the way they play. So I'm on the Athletic, and the Athletic has a mock draft for this year's NBA draft. Uh, I see four Duke players and one player from Kansas. So, So, Tyler, if we're NBA fans and we're tuning in tonight, for the Final Four in the NCAA tournament, uh, two games this evening. Who are some of the names that we should keep our eyes on? I see the four guys from Duke. There's a Kansas guy. As you look at guys projecting to the next level, are there any stars that we could see be made here in the next two games where we say, hey, you remember Dwayne Wade at Marquette when he really Mm -hmm. popped? Ja in the tournament. Different names that we saw when they get to the Final Four and they do something crazy. I would look at, and he's seen his stock rise significantly. There's two guys, two Duke guys. A.J. Griffin, son of Adrian Griffin, who, of course, assistant coach for the Bulls, played for the Bulls, now with the Raptors, I think. Um, The Hawk. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
But sorry, he he's someone that has seen his stock rise. Now it's the point where he's like top seven, but. He's one of those guys, he could have a couple of good performances. He's a really good shooter. I think he's shooting like 45% from three this season in college. Yeah, um, 45.8. He's shooting 50% from the field. He's, he's a knockdown shooter. And for a Duke team that doesn't shoot the basketball very well, he's kind of been the guy that carries them. So he's one of those guys, say, say he goes out and hits six threes tonight. You could see his name maybe drive into the top five into that sort of conversation. And then the other guy I look at is Mark Williams. He's your traditional center, seven-footer, fantastic defensive player, shot blocker, kind of in the mold of like a DeAndre Ayton. That's sort of his game. Um, and I'd be, surprised, I'd be intrigued to see what his next step is for the NBA because I think he could be a really, really big piece to a championship team. And like if he were to sort of fall, like he used to be in the, the 20 range, and that was sort of where the Bulls were mocked out. And I was like, if the Bulls could get a Mark Williams, that would solve a lot of their defensive issues at the rim. Sure. And then uh, Paulo Banchero is yeah. also the, the star of uh, he's the final the star. Four. Yeah, he's the best one remaining. And I think his, his draft stock right now is can he work his way to number one. And I look at his skill set. It's a toss-up between him and Jabari Smith. I think he can't go wrong with either one. Banchero, some guys just sort of... They look like NBA players out there going up against college guys. And Black, we've talked about yeah. this before. He looks like an NBA guy yeah. going up against college guys. Yeah, you know, I listen to Black and Abdallah. I know you got your little shtickle, this whole thing about Duke and all this about I'm Coach Duke. K. You know, I understand that. My, I, my, I know. My time. I just need to. My time. What's your major? I, I understand. I understand. Well, well, here's the thing, Tyler. I, how many? How many voodoo dolls? How many candles do you have lit at the crib? To uh, against Coach K and Duke for North Carolina to win this thing. I mean, because I, I think you guys have it all wrong. Look, I don't oh, hate. Wow. I, I think you have it all wrong. It, the, the the sports hate should be for Gino, Gino Oriyama. That's where the sports hate should be. That guy. Do you see him last that night guy. talking about Sue Bird and uh, Diana Taurasi? That guy. Did you see his comments on no, that? No. He didn't find it funny that they had their side cast. See what I'm saying? Because I've heard enough from them. In my years of dealing with them. You know what? That's my problem in this whole thing. Because I've been watching the women's tournament, too. Especially the Elite Eight, yeah. where we are right now. Connecticut and South Carolina is going to be awesome on Sunday. That I'm looking, I'm locked in for that on Sunday. But the idea, this Gino Oriyama, this guy here. Now, he doesn't have all the quotables like, you know, Coach, Coach K with the I'm Duke. I'm Duke. I don't have, he doesn't have all that. But I think you guys have it wrong. I think Oriyama should get all the slings and arrows. That's what I think. I think he's a bad guy. Well, Jonathan, has, I'm, has I'm logging on to uh, the BetMGM app right now, and I will be placing a bet on North Carolina because I have bet against Duke every single round of the tournament and, thus far. And lost. Oh, yes, and lost. But I'm, yeah. I'm being uh, open with you and just letting you know that I once again will bet North Carolina Here's tonight. the thing that I need, okay? Sure. Because this has been the Coach K retirement tour this entire season. It's my right? party. I'll I, cry if I want to. I'm Duke. Get up. It's my time, not yours. Get up. <laughs> Wouldn't it be poetic? Because in the background of this entire Coach K retirement tour has yeah. been the Roy Williams retirement tour. That's right. right. That's right. Roy has been going to see his guy, Tom Izzo, Bill Self. He's been going to, to Carolina games. He's been going to Duke games. Wouldn't it be something if we got a Carolina versus Kansas national championship Ooh. game, the Roy Williams championship game, his mm -hmm. two former schools meeting up. And that is just the, the end cap to the Roy Williams retirement tour. Cause he did it the right way. 
He didn't make it about himself. He didn't make it about uh, the, this whole pomp and circumstance parading around Roy Williams. No, he did what was best for the kids. And wouldn't it be something to see two of Roy Williams' former schools meeting up in the national championship with Roy in attendance? Oh, I would love it. And I'm looking forward to North Carolina beating that ass today against Duke. I think that that would be awesome. And because to me, it's, it's Ric Flair against Shawn Michaels in WrestleMania. It is, there it is, Shawn Michaels in the corner and saying, I'm sorry, I love you. And Ric Flair says, come on, give me the super kick. Bam! One, two, three, Rick, you're retired. That's what you want. The bet's locked in. Four and a half, North Carolina. Boom. You, you want the, you want the, you want Hubert to give the super kick. Right to Coach K. I'm Duke and out. I'm Duke. How crazy would this be? People wanted to fire Hubert Davis probably a month and a half ago. Oh, my God. He would have, if he goes out and wins tonight. Including you, by the way. Including me. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. He would have two of the, what, five biggest wins in Carolina history? He'll have the job forever. Yeah. He would have two of the five. Maybe you can even trim that number down to three. Knock out Duke twice. You know how it's going to go. And retire Coach K. Coach K like the Emperor in Star Wars. He'll be back. I'm Duke. Oh, oh, do you hear that? I'm Duke. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's a a theme we've had. Wow. Thank you, Tyler. Uh, Basketball U tomorrow morning with Brian Hanley. Tyler Aki will be there breaking down the Final Four. Check it out from 10 to noon tomorrow right here on ESPN 1000. I'm Duke. You know that that's possible. Rock uh, Chalk Championship. Yeah, absolutely. Whoever happens tonight, now you. Go, I'm rolling with Kansas. Oh yeah, I can't, I'll, I'll go Kansas. Rock Chalk Some, Championship. Anything but do. Uh, you know what's going to happen? Roy Williams. He's going to be sitting there in the stands. Mm-hmm. You know he's going to be sitting next to him. Who? It's going to be MJ. MJ's oh. going to be there for the end of Coach K. You know that. You you think that MJ won't be at the MJ. Final Four for the Tar Heels? Man. You know that they're going to show him. He's going to be there. I would, I'm Duke. I would say MJ would be close, you know, be there with the Charlotte Hornets, but he didn't care about the team. No. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Fast Break with Jay Hood and Chris Black. Follow Jay Hood on Instagram at IGJHood or at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Fast break. I'm Chris Black along with Jonathan Hood. We're here till 3 o'clock on ESPN 1000. The Bulls and the Heat, they play tonight at the United Center. It's going to be a big game for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, The Heat have beaten the Bulls three times out of three this season. This is the fourth matchup. Let's see if Chicago can get it tonight. As they've struggled in the last few weeks, Jonathan, uh, of the schedule, they have put together two in a row, including a thrilling overtime win against the Clippers on Thursday night. That was a great win for the Bulls. Well, I like that we could see this Bulls team be able to get out and score. It took a 50-point effort for DeRozan to get that done, though, Chris. And so that's the troublesome thing. I look at this team defensively and how they could be able to be able to stop some teams. This is going to be an uphill climb here for the rest of the regular season. They're playing all playoff teams, including Charlotte. And so this is going to be difficult, but ultimately it's going to have to take shooting and also defense to be able to get it done. Well, I think you and I kind of know how this ends, but 
I really like this team. I'd rather have this, a chance to see the team in the postseason, than not. I'd rather be the Bulls than the Knicks. I'd rather be the Bulls than Orlando. So I'd rather be a team with the arrow pointing up for improvement than to be a team that uh, is moribund. It really is so much better than what we were watching in the the Gar Pax era. Yeah. Because it, it feels as if even if they don't get to that top level that we want them to do, uh, in this year's postseason, that changes will then come. Yeah, and the effort to try and get to that moment and that point in being an elite team in the Eastern Conference, I don't think the Bulls are just satisfied with a team that is going to make the playoffs. Yeah, uh, there'll be changes to come if not, and we'll continue talking Bulls basketball with you here on ESPN One Thousand. I have a lot of notes here, my NBA notebook. Do you have notes in yours? I do. Should we should we go to our wheel and, and spin the wheel of NBA topics? All right, let's see should what we, we have. Give here. it a bit. Give it a big spin. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. Orlando, Washington, out of the playoffs. That's a weird one. Okay, let's see what we have here. Ryan Hollins with the Houston Rockets. Okay, what do you have? All right, I'm going to give you this. Uh, this is from last night. Chris Paul, uh, he, with the steals that he had last night, Chris Paul has now moved into fourth all-time in career steals. He's behind uh, John Stockton, Jason Kidd, Michael Jordan. Chris Paul is fourth all-time in his career. He's averaged 2.1 steals per game, ranking him 10th all-time as steals per game, but he's fourth in overall steals. Chris Paul, the... Uh, the Suns point guard, who's now working his way back into the team after being hurt. They lose last night against the Grizzlies. Uh, once again, another acknowledgement to the career of Chris Paul. He's been incredible. Fourth all-time in steals. Go back to the All-Star game, and the headline was that Chris Paul would be a, a reevaluated at the end of the regular season. He's actually back earlier than expected. He was going to be reevaluated. I underline that because that's how serious the injury was. He should, probably shouldn't have been in the All-Star game, even though he didn't do anything. But the point was is that he's been able to come back. He'll always, he says he always has an issue with that thumb. As a matter of fact, he said that uh, his surgeon is part of the family because he's been worked on so often, right? So good for Chris Paul. Three steals last night against the Grizzlies, but the Grizzlies win the game 122-114. to So the Grizzlies win, even though the Suns had all their players available for the most part of the core uh, as they're the best team in the Western Conference. All right. Spin Spin again. Spin Spin again. Bob Huggins, Lindsey Whalen, I don't understand. Larry Costello, Del Harris. That's a weird one. Oh, here's a question. Del Harris. What? All right, go ahead. in the Hall of Fame. Del Harris. I saw it. Flat top. Um, looks like a character on Archer. <laughs> I don't know which one, but there's like a white-haired yeah. guy on Archer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you come in late at night from the bars, you turn on an FXX, you never know when you get a nice marathon of Archer. Um, FXX. The best team in the playoffs that will be a must-watch that's not named Milwaukee or Phoenix. Hmm. Best team in the playoffs that will be a must-watch. I, I feel like we kind of uh, covered a little of this in the Memphis Grizzlies conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, would it be crazy to say that the Brooklyn Nets are a must-watch team, even though they're hmm. eighth? And and I think having like all their pieces back, either it's they're going to be really great, or this is going to burn to the ground. You know, what if things kind of end up with Brooklyn facing Milwaukee in the first round. That's that will be incredible. A first round series of KD and Giannis. Yeah. Or say uh if if you know with Miami, I think Brooklyn takes Miami, a 1-8 situation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the Brooklyn Nets. 
You know why? Because you're messy. And, yeah. you like, and you like drama. Yeah, yeah. And for so, sure. so that's the reason why. You are the guy you're messy. that's. You're the gaper. You're watching the fire on the side of the road. Sure. Just like, that's who you are. Yeah. You're messy. I like it. Uh, see, here's the thing about that, though. That's not a messy situation. It's actually not because Hard's not there. I watched Brooklyn the other night. You saw that game, right? Yeah. Brooklyn fell short against Miami. Oh, I watched so many bas- so much basketball. The Nets lost recently to the Bucks. You saw that game, yeah, right? Yeah, two nights ago. One, yeah. 120 yeah. to 119. Yeah. Great game, by the yeah, way. Yeah, with the block at the end. He was incredible. And it was yeah. KD saying, hey, we, they just made one more bucket than we did or whatever. And that's in. Yeah. So he kind of blew it off. But yeah, so, you know, they're not as messy. The thing that makes it messy is the wild card of Simmons. Is he playing or not? That's the thing. And I if he does play, what does he really bring? I don't think he's going to play. Like, what's the benefit there? Then why'd you make the deal? Well, and and that's where, like, Seth Curry being hurt and, and not necessarily being, like, the depth that they got in that trade and then getting Harden the H away from them. Yeah. Like, that that has to be the benefit. But, like, if you get anything out of Simmons, won't the benefit be next season and not, like, throwing him in into a playoff series where you know he can't shoot to begin with? I don't know what that is, especially when Kyrie starts getting in you, you know, starts getting after you. So I don't know. Got, a, got another spin there? Let's spin! What else we got there? All right, here we go. All right, next. Full body spin. All right, here we go. Here, Wizards again. Uh, nuggets. Uh, All right, uh, last night, uh, you, you were watching this game, I believe. Uh, the Pelicans and the Lakers, right? Yes, I was. Okay, well, well. before we address the uh, most pathetic team in the NBA this season, the Los <laughs> Angeles Lakers. Oh, not Orlando? Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, listen, there were no expectations for the Magic. All right. Uh, LeBron James, I was told by uh, various talking heads on, on different networks that is the greatest player of all time, yet his team is a bum team, and they're, they're likely to miss the playoffs. That's right. In his prime. That's right. I don't think Michael ever did that. Uh, Nonetheless. Let me ask you this. C.J. McCollum, he had 32 points. He had seven rebounds. He had four assists. McCollum has played 21 games with the Pelicans since he was traded from the Blazers. He has scored 30-plus points in eight of those games. McCollum was always a player that we had conversations about, like, what if? What if he had his own team and he wasn't with Dame every time? Mm Mm-hmm. The Pels have played great basketball since he was traded. Much better basketball, yes. Uh, have we, uh, or as a basketball community, do we not give enough credit to how good C.J. McCollum is? Just the overshadowing of uh, Dame Lillard, that's why. Yeah. We just saw them as a great one-two combination with Lillard and McCollum, but we've forgotten about how good McCollum is on his own. There's times where you know Dame was hurt and McCollum was able to take over the team. Oh, yeah. He'd be a, a nice, even for another, another good team, he'd be a nice piece. Could he take over a team? Let's put it this way. If he's the best player on, on a team, it might be a bad team. It might, it might be. It might be. Might but be. The, the Pels, you know, uh, I've looked this up recently. The, the Pelicans started off like 1-12. in 12, Yep. And like since that point, they've been good. Like so, like they had to dig out of a huge hole that they started the season with, well, and it, they're, they're missing Zion Williamson. Like well, I, I don't know if I would paint them as a bad team. They're they're going to be in the play in, uh, and they, you know, the Lakers. That was they lose by three last night. LeBron, you know, at the end of the game, just waiting for his last second heroic shot, and then threw up an air ball. Like they, that's a team that looks as if they don't care. Can I tell you something about that shot quickly? Yeah, Chris. So at the end of the game. Games on the line. 
James with the one, two, three pump fake <laughs> and just like, <laughs> and, 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 and then lets, and lets it go, right? And I'm just like, LeBron, do what you do. Pass the ball. Wasn't there an open AD at the top of the key there? Yeah. It was someone open. There was yeah. a Laker that was open. He had two defenders near him. Someone was open. It's like, so, so there's no need for you to be the hero, right? So were, were you concerned at that moment? I thought, you know what? He was concerned about social media. I'm not kidding. Like, I thought at that moment, he goes... It's probably true. He goes, man, I, I should make this shot, but but you know the better basketball play. Yeah, you want LeBron to be able to take that shot, but if you're double team and you got two guys draped over you, pass the ball at the top of the key. And he did not do that. So I watched this game, and I watch Anthony Davis with the blowout. I, I see him with the with the fro now uh, he, as he went to the salon, got the... Got the uh, Braids ticking out, and now he's got the nice little afro. It's like, that's not helping your game, brother. Maybe, maybe with the fro, this will keep him from injury. But here's the question, and I'm not trying to first take you or first things first you. I'm just, I'm just asking Please the question. Please don't first thing first I'm, me. I'm, not, I'm, not gonna, I'm just asking the question. Should Anthony Davis be out there if he's not 100%? Is he out there just as t- to survive, to try to help the Lakers get in the play-in? Because otherwise, like, what's the point of this? It's already a failure. It's a it's a failure, the Lakers, because of all of the Hall of Famers that LeBron wanted on the team, the yeah. the Westbrooks, the Howards, all these guys are Hall of Famers, along with Melo. That this is already a failure. So, uh, wh- so what do you get in the playoffs for? To get beat down by Phoenix? To get beat down by Golden State or Memphis? And we saw that last year, Phoenix. They they didn't even have to sweat against the the Lakers last season in the playoffs. Uh, also, did you see Brian Windhorst uh, this week suggesting that the out card for the Lakers in this situation is possibly moving Anthony Davis in this offseason? Like, that's the only piece that would have any value because they would want to trade Russell Westbrook, but who's trading for him? Uh, LeBron's not leaving. So, so, so LeBron's already done with AD. And by the way... Came from, from Windhorst, so... And, and by the way, he should be. Because as I told you a few months ago, Chris... The whole Lakers outfit was all about Anthony Davis. It wasn't about LeBron. Yeah. It wasn't about those other Hall of Famers, those old heads on there. They're doing the Wild Hogs movie all over again. Someone's being Tim Allen. You know, somebody is is being Martin Lawrence. They old they're doing the old movie, right? And bringing all these old heads in. One more ride. One more ride. And guess what? All of this was about Anthony Davis. All of it. Because it was about his health. It's his team. It, yeah. the LeBron cast a wide shadow, but it was about Anthony Davis and his health. And he once again, he's writhing in pain like a little giraffe, and he's on the floor in pain. And it's kind of like, and LeBron's like, okay, all right. If AD can't stay healthy and you want me to carry this team, that's great. But we're not going anywhere if it's just me. Since February eighth, the Lakers are five and eighteen. And LeBron's played in the majority of these games. He's been the leading scorer in almost all of these games except like four. Five and 18 since February 8th. First things first, but LeBron's the greatest of all time. I, I don't recall Michael going <laughs> five and 18 to end a season to miss the playoffs. That's just me. I don't know. That's pathetic. Yeah, it is. LeBron James in his prime still. Five and eighteen well, at the end of the season. With perspective, you never win a championship by yourself, but also you don't control a roster of old heads and think that you're going to get to the top of the West, right? I, it's I, not but, one one through eight anymore. Well, it's one through ten. Well, like he's, he's sitting on the outside. I'm just I, I'm just going to tell you that I 
uh, you know, you don't win it by yourself. It's not just LeBron, but it's just that arriving in pain, Anthony Davis, and then you selecting Westbrook, you selecting, you know, all, all these uh, Dwight Howard and Melo and all these guys you ride on the banana boat with. That's not good enough. It just isn't. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Little giraffe. Welcome back to Jay Hood and Chris Black, the hosts of ESPN Chicago's Fast Break. Watch the show on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago. Now, Fast Break flies on. On Chicago's Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. Thank you to Tyler Aki producing today's show. Check him out tomorrow. Basketball U at 10 a.m. with Brian Hanley following up on the Final Four. Jonathan, if we are not here on Saturdays, check out the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. That's exactly right. Check us out on the ESPN Chicago app because there's going to be White Sox baseball from time to time. So even though we love our one to three Saturday slot, you can always catch fast break. It's a tile right there on the ESPN Chicago app so you can never miss our basketball content. Here, Jonathan, uh, Monday morning at 7 a.m. with uh, Cap and Jay Hood, and I'll uh, be with Abdallah at 6. Talk to you then. What's that? ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. What about?